a couple of weeks ago, um, when I was preaching, we were preaching on, we were talking about delighting in the Lord. And I, I just felt a continuation of, in this arena. And so today I want to talk about the favor of the Lord. And so I want to begin in Psalm chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And it says, but let all those who rejoice who put their trust in you, let them ever shout for joy because you defend them. Let those also who love your name be joyful in you. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. You will surround him as with a shield. Isn't that good? The NIV says it this way. Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. And so, Father, today as we come to your word, I ask God that our, our spiritual ears and eyes would, would hear your truth from your word and that we would take that truth and, and we would replace any false constructs that we have with your truth, about what you feel towards us, about how, how you interact with us according to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today when we're talking about favor, this is where people get so caught up and God is out to make life miserable for you. It's just so untrue. His heart is to surround you with favor with blessing. And and we saw when we were talking about delighting in God, that our delight in God begins with understanding his delight in us. And there are times when he just shows up in his delight. We actually just had this happen, a a very um, outward manifestation of it, uh, we just had our food pantry last Tuesday. And, and so Todd and Catherine felt it in their hearts that, that they should purchase a popcorn machine to have out in the foyer. The people start lining up an hour before we serve. And so they're like, we need to take advantage of that hour and, and connect with people. So they bought a popcorn machine. It's wonderful popcorn. And, and they've just been kind of hanging out with the people back there. And so last Tuesday, they had a lady come in, and she was in a lot of pain from her tooth. She had had surgery, and she felt like something wasn't right in there. And, and, and so she'd been in pain. She was supposed to go back again because it felt like there was still pieces of tooth in there. And so Todd and Catherine said, well, can we offer a prayer for you? So, yes, they prayed for her, and she said, like, she could feel something. She said, just a minute, I feel something, and she started, if you, you might have read this on our prayer page. She started digging around in her mouth, and she went off to do it in private. She was, trying, she was digging in there because something felt loose, and sure enough, out dropped that tooth, those remnants of teeth that were causing so much pain in her body. Listen. Praise the Lord. 
The Lord desires to cause us to delight in him, his goodness to be seen for the glory of his name. And you can, you can talk all you want, but when God does the miraculous, talking ceases, right? At this point, it's simply, look what he did. Look what he did. Look what he did. He desires for us to walk in greater measure of this. And so this comes, see, Todd and Catherine, what they knew in that moment is who they are. They knew that they are sons and daughters of Jesus the healer. And as sons and daughters of Jesus the healer, the favor of Jesus was on them to offer that prayer, right? So they were walking out understanding what it is to have the favor of God on them. And so today, when we talk about, this is such an amazing word, favor. and, And when you're looking at it in the Old Testament word, it's simply pleasure and acceptance and goodwill. And so God is surrounding you with his pleasure, with his acceptance and his goodwill. When we look at this, and we're going to be looking at it further, but in the New Testament, we see this word expressed through grace. And where we see grace, we see favor. The the definition of grace is enveloped with favor. And so it transforms your thinking when you read these words then to know, wow, when it says things like, by grace you have been saved, by his favor you have been saved, right? And so this grace is all about favor, favor, liberality, and, and here's an interesting definition, the exertion of his holy influence upon souls. Isn't that good? The exertion of his holy influence upon so I would like the exertion of his holy influence upon my soul. I don't know about you, but I'll take that influence, right? And so often we let other things influence us. The world influence us, family influence us, our own attitudes, our feelings, our emotions. When God is saying, uh, I've got a holy influence I would like to put upon your soul. And so today I want to look at five truths about walking in his favor. And so we're going to begin at the very beginning because really what we find is that favor is required at salvation. I just read it out of Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not of works, lest anyone should boast. Because we know that's religion. And so, for by favor, you have been saved through faith. This is what is amazing about this, is that you haven't even really come into faith. Faith or grace was initiated to you. And as a response, you gave your heart to Christ. If you go back a chapter to Ephesians 1, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with what? 
the riches of God's grace that he what? He lavished on us. He lavished on us. There is not any lack in this. So you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus on the cross. Your sins have been forgiven, and it's all been in accordance with God's favor in your life. Praise the Lord. And he, he didn't just trickle it down to you. I'm going to give you a little bit. Oh, here, you deserve a little bit. You deserve it. This is why it's not by works, because if it were by works, none of us would qualify for it, right? But because it's Jesus, he lavished, it can be lavished upon us. And here is the difference between sonship and being a slave. This is why it has to be at the very beginning. In Galatians 4, 4 through 7, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, what I just said earlier, Abba, Daddy, Father. Therefore, praise the Lord, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Listen, we are no longer slaves to sin in bondage to sin. We now have been brought into this beautiful relationship as a son and a daughter of the Most High God, who is now an heir with Christ. And as an heir, you have favor, right? You have favor. What does, what does, you'll see this, you know, um, in a will, you know, a father or a mother or whoever creates a will. And then you'll hear about how a son or a daughter, they become disowned, right? They did something to fall out of favor and they get written out of the will, right? Because where you are an heir, you are in favor. And so you were brought into this kingdom, not as a slave, but as a son and as a daughter, and because of such inheritance, you now walk in favor. This is a truth that sometimes it takes people a long time to, to walk into because the slave mentality is so indoctrinated into them. It's their identity and who they become. But we know when we come to Christ, we're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come, right? And so we walk out of the, the bondage and we walk into the inheritance and into the favor. It is not earned, right? Now, in Psalms 84, if we go back into the Old Testament, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Now listen, we didn't earn it. We can't earn it. We also didn't deserve it, right? 
It comes because of the blamelessness of Jesus Christ. Our walk becomes blameless because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, and that there's no way to earn that, there is a place of walking accordingly to the word of God. And to walk in that favor means we do align our lives, right, to what the word of God says. And so can you be disqualified from the favor? It's never God withholding the favor. It's us leaving the position. It's us leaving the position of being in the place of favor. So faith is required at salvation, and faith comes through faith in, favor comes through faith in Christ, and it multiplies. Wow. In 2 Peter, it says this, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Let's say that again. Favor and peace be multiplied to you. So I, I think, you know, when the disciples were trying to cast out the demon and they were not successful, right? And Jesus came and addressed unbelief. And he said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can what? Move mountains, right? And nothing will be impossible for you, he said. And so there's this place of the seed. Does a seed intend to remain a seed, though? No. The purpose of the seed is to grow and to bear fruit that contains more seeds. And so now, according to Jesus, what can happen with the faith of a mustard seed? I'd be like, yeah, I'd like to be at the mustard seed level sometimes. This is the starting place, though. There's this place of growth and multiplication and increase. And so there should be, I think, a, a, a discontentedness that we carry. Not of our situations, but there should be a discontentedness. I love that we saw that miracle on Tuesday. But how many others were there in physical pain that needed a miracle, right? We saw a seed released, but let's believe now that let's carry a discontent. Lord, we rejoice in that, but we're not satisfied with that. I, there are more people that are needing you. There are more people in pain and in hopelessness and they don't have the kingdom. Give us a discontent that says, I want to overcome obstacles, right? And his favor multiplies in your life that you can overcome obstacles. Praise the Lord. And so don't be satisfied. Oh, yeah, I carry the favor of the Lord. Well, what is that favor doing? It should be doing something, right? It should be multiplying. It should be affecting the people around you, right? And so have a discontent. Now, <laughs> the power of this stuff is, is just we fall so below what God intends. And so we're not to feel bad in this because this is discipleship. This is us learning and growing in it, right? 
And so the, the, the third truth here is that his, his favor, and we said it at the beginning, surrounds you, okay? And so let's, I'm going to just quickly reread the last part of that text. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor, you will surround him as a shield. Now, this might seem silly. I have always, from the time I was a beginning believer, I have always carried this idea in my head of a bubble. Like, I, I was very evangelistic in my high school, Pekin High School, which was not, you know, there's, I mean, it's not what high schools are today, but still, I, I was coming from a Catholic school of, you know, graduating class of 13 girls to a class of 500, and so I had been a bit sheltered, but I was determined I'm going to be a missionary in my high school, and so we know in the places of our life where there is sin abounding, where the world is all around us, and there can be negative attitudes in your workplace, right, in your school. We talked about this at youth on Wednesday night because there's such a negative atmosphere at school that it affects them. And, and so I've always carried this idea of a bubble, that, Lord, when I go to school, I go to school in this bubble, and the world cannot penetrate my bubble. It's a bubble of me and Jesus. And so this was visualized then when the awesome superhero movie, The Incredibles, came out. And I'm not hugely into animated TV movies or anything, but I really like this one. And their daughter, Violet, she, is, she has a superpower to create force fields. And so she can surround her family or herself with, a, it looks like, a lavender bubble. I was like, ah, oh, that's my bubble. That's what it looks like for me. Is that I'm floating around, and that's what they do. They kind of float around in this bubble that's a force field. I'm like, that's my bubble. And at the beginning of the movie, she's trying to help her family by creating this large bubble, and she fails. She doesn't think she can do it, and, and she's not successful. By the end of the movie, she is so confident in her ability that she's able to create a bubble that saves the day, right? And so, wow, this truth is that you begin with that mustard seed, and he's surrounding you, and you gain confidence in his surrounding you as you go, as you choose to, oh, in high school, all of you people on your phones in the back row, look at me, in your junior high, in your high school, where it is so negative, the environment, there's this force field around you called the favor of the Lord. <laughs> and when you are in your home, and one spouse is a believer, and the other spouse is not a believer, and you cannot control the environment of your home because you have this unbelievable... Listen, you have a bubble. Even in your home, you have a force field that is the favor of the Lord. At your workplace, where it is negative and there's backbiting and backtalking, there's this this force field around you called the favor of the Lord. Wherever you go, it surrounds you. 
grow in your confidence of his favor. It's not your confidence in you. It's the confidence in his favor in your life. And it worked. Now, the reason that the, the bubble of his favor is so important is because circumstances, they don't define the favor. And, and so you look at the life of Joseph, right? And Joseph has been called through the dream that he is going to be this great leader and his brothers are going to, and his father and mother are going to bow down to him, right? And yet he finds himself in prison. He finds himself being sold into slavery. You'd be like, where's the favor of God that you get sold into slavery? Lord, you called me to be this great leader, and I'm sold into slavery by my own brothers. Where's the favor of God? Then I'm falsely accused. Where's the favor of God? Then I'm put into prison. Where's the favor of God? Yet you see each and every time. He flourishes. He becomes a leader in that position. Why? The favor of the Lord. And so in, um, if we go to the book of, let's see where we are. Acts chapter 7, they're preaching about Joseph, and they say, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So Pharaoh made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. This is what the favor does. Gains goodwill. It opened up doors that seemed impossible by man. Who is this guy? He's a, he was a slave at the beginning and he ends up ruler in Egypt? How does that happen? The favor of the Lord. That's how that happens. And so the circumstances are not a determinant of, you, of God's favor on your life. And, and you have to be careful with this. You know, I, I've listened to a lot of messages. God's favor is upon you to set you before kings and queens to do this and to do that. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What if that's not that person's destiny? God's favor is not just to give you all the selfish desires of your life right? It's to fulfill the purposes that God created for you before the beginning. And so in Isaiah 58, it says, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy you in abundant times. Is that what it says? No, in drought. He will strengthen your bones. You will be in drought like a well-watered garden like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. So the question I ask myself is, I am interpreting the word of God for my life. Is what does the word look like? I, I do this so that I don't get kind of narrow-minded in my understanding of the word. What does the word look like expressed in another context? Because the truth is, is that not everybody is like the American church. 
Some of you know what it was like in the Cuban church. There are cultures in the East that are not like our Western culture. What does it look like for the word of God to be expressed in those places where there is drought, where there is poverty, where there is persecution? What does it look like in those places where you have to meet secretly, where you might lose your life? What does the word of God look like in those places? What does his favor look like in those places? I think it comes down to really defining what favor looks like. And we have to be careful to not define it according to my wants and desires and what I want it to look like. We have to be interpreting the word as the word, whatever the context. The word that works here works everywhere, right? It's the word of God. And so wherever the word, the gospel goes, it should work there, right? And so in places that are places of poverty and oppression and persecution, I think defining what favor, does favor mean that everything is going to go perfect in my life? Does favor look like I will always have my heart's desire? Does favor look like I will never go through anything physically? Does favor look like I will always have a ton of money in the bank? Does favor look like, oh, when it's Black Friday, I'm praying for a parking place. Oh, the favor of the Lord was on me. Well, what happens when you don't get the parking place? Does that mean it wasn't on you? You know, I'm like, maybe the favor of the Lord was that you parked far out, so you got a little exercise for your temple. Don't cheapen favor. You've all heard me talk about the story of the, the runner and unbroken. And why was he able to live in a concentration camp and have the guard, the head of the camp, do everything in his power to break him? And as he's standing there, and they just kept putting more on him, more on him, as they kept persecuting him greater and greater ways to try to break him, why is he able to stand there and look him in the eye and you can tell he's just exasperating that man because he won't be broken? Why? Because that man knew his God and knew the favor on his life. And the concentration camp had no bearing on the favor of God in him. And so he can stand there, bring on more, bring on more. It doesn't matter what you do to me. You cannot touch my spirit because I have the favor of God on my life. It is a shield around me. And so there, that's why there's this amazing joy in the persecuted church 
because there's a grace for them. There's a favor on them. That's why Stephen, as he's being stoned to death with a crowd around him, can look up to this open heaven and see the Son of Man. And what? Oh, they're stoning me? I don't even notice. I see the favor of the Son right now. I know who I am right now. I'm a son, and, and they can do whatever to the body I'm going to be with my Savior. The favor of the, of the Lord is a shield around you. So does it mean everything will go well? Not necessarily. If that were true, this whole world would not have all the issues that it has. You wouldn't have churches that are being bombed and, and, and young Christian women that are suffering at the hands of men. This is truth around the world. But yet they walk with this shield around them. That's what the favor is. That when you're walking through it, there's a shield that cannot touch the spirit. And it's getting our minds off of that which is temporal and putting it on the eternal. When you try to reduce favor to the temporal, then it's a selfish, flesh-driven desire of favor. But eternal favor is about keeping. He's the keeper of your faith. His favor is a shield around you. And we love the freedom that we have, but you know it might not always be the case. In fact, our, at district council this year, they are changing our bylaws in regards to marriage and such because they've, you know, we years ago changed our bylaws in, in, in explaining what marriage is. And a lawyer told our district that there will come, there's coming a time when the difference between arrest or not will lie with there being a long-term history of a creed backing the church. And so what I mean by that is our, our, our assemblies of God have a positional paper about what marriage and man and woman is. And so because we have a law, and now they're putting it in the bylaws, what, because we have that long-standing creed, it will make a difference for us here locally when situations arrive, arise legally. I say that to say life is changing, and we don't know what it will look like in the future. And so our job is to prepare you to say, hey, let's redefine what favor is. It's not an Americanized um, description. You see the hardships all throughout the Bible, and yet time and time again in the midst of it, they arise and they overcome. They arise and they overcome. They arise and they overcome because they walk with the shield of the favor in their lives. And we have access to that. So the final thing here is that Favor is an invitation to partnership with God. So, oh, I have the favor of the Lord. I can just kind of... Now, the favor is kind of an unfair advantage. As a son and daughter of the Most High God, you carry an unfair advantage, really. You have the, the creator of the universe backing you. <laughs> How many would say that's an unfair advantage in a fight, right? Yes. 
And so there, there is that truth. However, it doesn't mean we get to sit on our hands and just let his favor do all the work. In Psalm 90, it says, Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Within that word beauty is the word favor. Let the favor of the Lord be upon us and establish the work for our hands. I love this because it's bringing this favor back full circle to relationship. It began at salvation and it's continuing in the work of our hands, what we give ourselves to. He establishes it through his favor. And so let's look just real quick a couple of verses in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, God is able to make all grace, all favor abound toward you. Everybody say, toward me. You should sound more excited. Toward me. You know, I make you repeat these things all the time. You should get it now and just do it the first time. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Wow, there's a lot of alls in there, right? Oh, yeah. You're our new cheerleader. (laughs) If I submitted this in one of my papers to Grammarly, they would be like, you need to make this more concise, this sentence, because it's always having all in all things for every good work. He was not leaving it out at all, right? Everything you need is found in the grace and the favor he made abound toward you. And we know the verse, and then a couple chapters over, when Paul is being annoyed, right? And he has this thorn in his flesh. You know, there are times I'm just like, Lord, I could minister better if this thorn would be removed from me, right? Don't, can't you see that? And he's like, nope, let's leave that there a little longer. And so he's saying, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. In the midst of your trial, it's not about removing the trials. It's about finding the sufficiency of Christ in the trial, And so often we're waiting for the trial to be removed. Yes, I've overcome. No, no. You might have shown a little patience in waiting out a situation. But to find the victory in the trial that comes through the sufficiency of Christ. His his strength is made perfect when? In your weakness. And how are you able to do it? Because his grace, his favor is sufficient for you in the trial, in the hard place. And so the work that we do daily, day by day, is this partnership with his grace, with his favor. We do everything we can. The work of our hands is unto the Lord and not men. And as we do that, His favor is abounded toward us. 
And as it is abound, we receive an abundance for every good work in every difficult place. And so in the morning, I have had to, this, this can be, a, it's a really a choice that we make daily. So here's what happens sometimes to me. I'll, I'll say sometimes often, if I'm honest, I'll say often. I'll say most likely my first thoughts when I wake up for a morning are, oh man. Like as soon as I wake up, my mind will immediately begin to go to all of the things, difficult things I have to do that I feel like I'm not doing well. And, and so the Holy Spirit began to check me in that and say, you need to, you've got, I have a construct going up on, in my brain right now that should not be there. And I need to tear it down. What should my first thought be upon awakening? Thank you for your grace for my life today. Thank you that everything I'm doing today, I'm doing with the favor of the Lord upon me. If I did that, how would it change the work of my hands? How would it change my schoolwork? How would it change my job? How would it change my family? How would it change my body? If my first thought was, thank you for the favor that surrounds me today. I have a difficult day today, Lord. But your favor is a shield around me. Your favor is a shield around me. And so as I begin to think this way, the other question that I ask myself is, do I treat my life and all that that encompasses as though it were favored. And so um, let's just break this down because we have to be able to apply. This, these are nice big thoughts to have, but what does this look like in my life? My mom loves to tell the story of uh, one of the vehicles that we had when I was a kid and I could care less, you know, about vehicles at that age. But, you know, as a parent, you got to deal with broken down vehicles. It's a hassle. And so she had a vehicle that was just not great. And she was constantly frustrated with it and constantly despising it until the Lord told her that she needed to change how she thought about it and she needed to become thankful for it. And so she began to vacuum it and to clean it. And it wasn't long after that that the Lord provided them with a new vehicle. What did she begin to do? She began to treat that vehicle as though it were favored, as though it were blessed. And, and maybe you have a job that, that you're having trouble with. Do you treat that job as though it were favored? Do you treat your body as though it were favored? Do you treat your children as though they are favored, your spouse as though they are favored. The things that God has put in you to do in life, do you treat those as favored? Because if we think something is favored and blessed, we will treat it differently than those that we despise, those that frustrate us. And so there's a whole lot of, of realigning our lives to live out as a favored one of the Lord. Does that make sense? And so it's really about 
continual choices that we make day by day. Now, the good news is that the more you make those choices, they will become habits and you create a new construct. Now your, your mind is, is filled up with the understanding, I'm a favored one. I'm surrounded by the favor of the Lord. I have all that I need and the grace that is abounded toward me. Now you're thinking these thoughts instead of thoughts of failure. And how will that affect the work of your hands? It will change everything. It will change everything. And so this morning, I want to finish up with this story. You may have heard it, but I always think about it in regards to this. And it's really about the difference between eagles and chickens. And I'm glad that Raylynn is not in here because she might not like my comparison. Now, I love chickens, and I would love to have chickens. Um, However, there is a difference between eagles and chickens, right? Eagles are these fearless, tenacious, powerful, soaring creatures, right? That just, they can go to the heights. They have determination and honor. They're bold and majestic, faithful. People always want to go, where are the eagles? Let's go watch the eagles. Very few people are like, let's go hang out with the chickens, unless you're Ray Lynn. I did enjoy hanging out with her chickens at her house, I confess. I don't want to just, you know, that's right. However, most of us are more like chickens. We're busy running around, pecking at the ground, pecking at each other. We try to fly, but what we can only, you know, we flap and get a few feet over. And so a farmer finds an eagle egg that was displaced from its nest due to a storm. The farmer took the egg and he placed it with his chickens. With some nurturing, the egg soon hatched. Growing up around the chicks, the eagle fledgingly began to identify with its surroundings. The eagle began to master clucking and pecking the ground. He also learned to fly only short distances, just like the chickens. The eagle did all the chicken things, because that was what he thought he was supposed to do. So that's all he thought he could do. Therefore, that is all he was able to do. One day, the young eagle sees a majestic bird flying high above. Look at that majestic bird. What is that? And they respond, that is the majestic eagle. He is the king of birds. He belongs in the sky while we belong on the ground. Now there are, this is one of those choose your own ending books. Anybody ever read one of those? I'd I'd never have been one to want to do that. I'm like, just tell me your ending. I'll probably disagree with it, but I know what you brought me to. In this ending, though, this, this eagle could have separated himself and begun to practice flying while the, check, the chickens are heckling him, until suddenly he discovers, oh, I can fly, and off he goes, right? Or he can ignore the inner yearnings that seeing that eagle produced in him 
and believed the narrative that the sky is not for you. He can conform to social pressures and continue life as a chicken, never fulfilling his abilities or destiny. Now, if you're a chicken, great, be a chicken. But if you're an eagle, and let's be reminded what Isaiah says, those who wait on the Lord will mount up as eagles. Never once does he say we'll be like the chickens with our heads down, pecking out, pecking at one another. No, no, he says we're to be like the eagles soaring. But do you hear in that verse it says, those who wait. Always it comes down. The favor of God is a shield for you to access. But in everything, it's the choice. He's everything that you need for life, right? For godliness has been given to you through Jesus. It's already been given to us. It's whether we access it or not. It's whether we say, God, you've given me what I need, so I have no excuse. No excuse. I'm picking around as a chicken when you've called me to soar. And in Deuteronomy 30, he says this, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And, and I read that to say that it's always decision, life or death. It's our decisions of what we walk in, what we access, what we, what we take what God has given to us and begin to apply it in life. And so the promises here are that the, 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 there's a shield surrounding you. What will you do with it? How will you let it change your life? How will you let it change your situations? How will you let it strengthen you? Because more and more there'll come a day when we need to to really operate out of, the fa out of that favor. And, and often, when we've had the chicken mentality, we've let society, we've let family, we've let parents tell you what you can and can't do, who you are. And it, there comes a time when you have to begin to let Jesus tell you. And he has said, you're favored. He has said, I've, I've got, there's a shield around you that is favor. So why do you keep acting like you're this when I have called you to do this and to be this? He won't force you to do it. He's empowered you. He's given you his grace and his favor to do it. And it's up to us to take the keys he's given us and to begin to unlock things in us and to begin to do it. And I guarantee you that wherever we apply the word, because the word is living and active, and when it's applied to our lives, it will transform and change. You. You. Me. Amen? And so um, I'm going to ask if the team will come. I want us, see, I don't think this should be an altar call where one or two people come. Because I think that there is ever a new place for me to grow in the favor of the Lord. And so every one of us in some way needs to respond to the Lord 
And, and I, I love this, I love this, I've always loved this song. I, I'm sorry, I want to do the God of Abraham. Especially, we, there's that point about Mary, right? His favor is upon the lowly. And it's, it's his favor that elevates us, it's never us. And so, um, we have, we're going to be having lunch here in a few minutes in our business meeting, but it's only a quarter to 12, and so I want us just to, as we sing through this song one, one, once more, this is the heritage that belongs to us. This is who we are. This is where we come from. The God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, the God of David, David, the God of Gideon, the God of Samuel, the God of Hannah, the God of Bathsheba. This is our heritage. And God has set his favor on all of those that came before. And as we have seen it act as a shield, the God of Joseph is our God. It's the same favor, it's the same miraculous God. And it's not changed for today. The, the context, the word works in every context, right? So it works for your context. You can say, well, that might work for so-and-so. I'm not seeing that work in my life. You got to get your eyes off so-and-so and get it on the favor of the Lord for you. And begin to believe that I, I, as a son and daughter of the Most High God, I am surrounded by the favor of the Lord. His favor has been abounded to me. It's been lavished to me. And you got to start believing it. And you got to start walking like you believe it. Amen? And so let's just stand together and let's just worship the one that has set his favor upon us. It just gives us great hope. No matter the situation, it, it, you are favored by the Lord because of Jesus Christ.